I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. We are in the middle of a series called The Promise, and we're looking at the season of Advent through the promises that we see in scriptures and kind of seeing how these themes tie into what God has done, what God has accomplished through the birth of Christ. One of the things that I recognize as a pastor, and I'm sure you probably recognize this too, is that a lot of people have issue with Christianity. There's a lot of people who raise concerns or raise doubts. And if you're honest, I think you probably have struggled with those too. You've probably had times where you've wondered, is God really the God of the Bible? Or is there even really a God? And what I think is interesting is when we look at the issues that most people have with Christianity... One of the issues that doesn't seem to come up, maybe, or maybe it does, and I'm just not as aware, is this concept that God is love. That we have been so inundated with that concept, at least in our culture, of the God of the Bible being a God of love, that we may not recognize how absolutely outside of what the norm that really is. If you study world religions, if you study the history and mythologies of other nations, love from a deity was not something that was held up. Like, yeah, if you served the gods in the right way, then you might get peace. You might get some joy. You might get a better crop this season because you made the right sacrifices. But there wasn't much in any other religion that talked about that God loved them. And like I said, I think we've heard that so much that we forget just how powerful that is. And so today, as we are continuing our series, looking at Advent, looking at what God has done, we are going to talk about the promise of love. That God said, I would love you. And the thing is, we recognize as we're looking at Christmas that Christmas is kind of that centerpiece that we can look to and say, here we see the love of God. But I I think this was something that God established from the beginning. We We can see echoes of it right at creation when God desired to walk with Adam and Eve and to be in fellowship with them, coming alongside of them. We, we can see it when God made his promise to Abraham where he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to pour out my goodness on you so that you can bless the whole earth so that through you everyone could see just how great of a God that I am. We can see it in the imagery of David as this king who was raised up from 
the pens of a, of a sheepfold. And he talks tenderly of a God who is our shepherd, who, who takes care of his sheep, who takes care of the people that he has created. And so for the Israelites, even though they may not have expressed it quite this way, they recognized God cared for them. God loved them. God looked on them as a special possession. And we see those promises all throughout. Now, obviously there came times where they wondered, is God really there? Does he really care about us? Is he really going to take care of us the way he promised he would? Obviously there were times where they went through really dark seasons. One of those seasons was when the Assyrians came through and destroyed the northern part of Israel. The, the kingdom had broken into two different kingdoms at that point. And so there was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the Assyrians had come through and destroyed the northern kingdom. And so the people in Judah are sitting back going, God, are you really good? Do you really love us? And at one point, the prophet Isaiah goes to the king and is trying to convince him, hey, it's going to turn out all right. God has a plan. There's something going on that you can't see. And the king, there seems to be some hesitation on whether or not he believes it. And so Isaiah says, well, ask for a sign. Ask for a sign and God will show you just how much he loves you. And the king backed off and he's like, I, I'm not going to test God. I don't, I don't want to ask for a sign. So in the story, Isaiah, the prophet, gets a little bit angry, maybe. He's like, I'm, I'm trying to show you how good God is and you're backing away from this. And that's where we find this powerful promise. A promise that we still are trying to wrap our minds around over 2,000 years later. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, Isaiah, speaking for the Lord, says this to the king. He says, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah is telling the king, you refuse to ask for a sign, I'm going to give you one anyway. You're going to see a virgin give birth to a boy. And he's going to be the incarnation of God. He's going to be the representation of God with us. And so this was a promise found in the Old Testament. And as we've been doing through the series, we've taken this promise and seen how it applied to one specific person, although it obviously applies to all of us. But in this case, we see how it applies to that virgin, that woman that was going to give birth. It applied to Mary. And so I want to read her story. Again, this is probably a story we are familiar with, but let's look at it through the context of the promise of love. 
I'd invite you to actually stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33, and I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation. Again, Luke chapter 1, and looking at verses 26 through 33, and this is how it reads out of the New Living. God sent the, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it contains. I thank you that it points us back to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would illuminate this text for us. That you would speak to our hearts and that we'd be changed by your word. God, that you would do whatever it takes that you would speak through me or you'd speak outside of me, but in some way, every person who is encountering this message today would walk away recognizing the love of God and recognizing that that love has compelled us to share it with others. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. I thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. I thank you so much for what you're doing during this Christmas season. And I pray that the promise of love would overflow in our hearts everywhere we go. We love you and praise you. And we pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you wave at a person or two, let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them. Maybe wish them a Merry Christmas. him a mic. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Awesome. <laughs> he does not need one, does he? <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, back to our regu- regularly scheduled programming here. <laughs> so, so we're looking at this story, the story of Mary, who experienced the love of God. She experienced that she was brought in to pay, play a part in this role. And so it's really powerful when we recognize just how amazing it was that she was chosen, that she got to play a part. 
And, and like I said, this is one of those things we just, we don't fully comprehend. We don't fully understand why God chose to do it this way. But it was this choice, it was this decision to allow God to come through this means that demonstrated the power of his love. And so a couple of things that I want us to look at as we revisit this story. The one thing that I want us to see this morning is that love births newness in our lives. Obviously, we recognize that as Mary was visited by the Holy Spirit and she received that power, that love came through her and birthed Christ. But also, it began to birth all sorts of new things. Even when Jesus would come, he would talk about how he was bringing a new kingdom, that, that he was bringing about a new way, a new way to follow God, a new way to connect with who he was. We're getting ready for Christmas, and I just recognize we're going to go back to a lot of old patterns that we've been doing. We're, we're going to go follow through a lot of old traditions, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with keeping up the family traditions around Christmas, uh, unless it's a bunch of craziness. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some things you need to back, back away from. I'm, I'm not here to judge, but, but sometimes our Christmas gets a little hijacked by things that aren't necessarily God-glorifying. But I want to encourage you, this Christmas... God wants to not only allow you to walk through the things you've walked through in the past on Christmas, He wants to do something new. That His love is compelling you to experience newness. Maybe you've experienced His love in the past, but I think He wants to show it to you in a new and a fresh way this season. Be open to that. We recognize that with love, there, there comes this newness. With love, there comes this overflow. He hints at it, the the angel Gabriel, as he speaks to Mary, he hints at this in verses 31 and 32. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. God was doing something new. Even the name Jesus means God saves. He was doing something. Something new. And I'm convinced he wants to continue to do something new in us. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. I don't know what it's going to look like for me. I I don't know what it's going to look like for our church. But I want to see God do something new. And and, and I'm asking you to pray for the same thing. That, That you would be leaning in to this promise of love that God wants to do something in us, that his love is so great, he's not okay with us continuing the way we've been in the past. He wants to take us to higher levels. He wants to take us to deeper things. He wants to help us experience new life. And I pray that we would never get so complacent, so used to the way things have been, that we stop believing that God's love is here to create something new in us, to birth something in us, to give us greater access to His truth, to His life, to His love. And so let's be looking for that. Now, 
It's not going to look like it did for Mary. And it's not going to look like it's looked for other people in the past. You're going to experience something unique. And I, like I said, I don't know what that's going to be. But let, let's go into this Christmas season expecting it. That this Advent season is about his arrival. It's about us believing that he arrived 2,000 years ago in a manger and that he's also arriving right where we're at and that he will come back again. That this season should be an anticipation. It should be this, this sense that just around the corner, God's going to do something. And here's what I, I've learned. When you look for things, you find them. If you're going into the season looking for the old things, you're going to find the old things. If you're going into the season expecting to be hurt, expecting to be disappointed, expecting your crazy relatives to do their crazy things again, you're going to, you're going to see it. But if you go in expecting newness, even if it doesn't look as new as you were hoping, you will begin to see sparks in unexpected places. So let's do that. Let's look for that. And let's believe that God is going to birth something new. The other thing that may not be as fun is that when we talk about love, love also brings disruption. So love disrupts our life. Now, sometimes this is fun. I don't know how many of you have ever been in love before, but hopefully it wasn't so long ago that you have forgotten what it was like. Hopefully you remember what it was like to fall in love and then all of a sudden everything else stopped. You disrupted all the rest of your life so that you could spend time with them, so that you could go and, and meet with them someplace, so you could spend hours on the phone. You remember when you we had phones and you could actually you know, talk to people on phones and, like, and you were up until all hours. You, you probably had to hide the phone bill from your parents if you were back in those days because you spent too much on long distance or, or whatever the case was. You know, you, love brings this disruption, but it's not always... A fun disruption. Sometimes love causes difficult things. And it, it forces us to do, and sometimes with love, we're like, okay, I'm willing to do those difficult things because of love. But sometimes it's just, it's just a natural outflow. That if, if, if love is true, there's going to be some disruption. It, I mean, think of it this way. If you fell in love with somebody and you never did anything different, and they never did anything different, would that really feel like love to you? I love you, but I'm going to keep playing my Xbox over here, and you, you go do whatever you do, but I love you. Like, th there's, there's going to be something that's going to pull something different out of us. And so, we, we read here as well that maybe some of the disruption that you didn't see when I read this will come to light. In, in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, it says, The Lord... God will give him, speaking of Jesus, will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Great promise, great thing, talking about the love of God. But there was a problem with that promise. Rome was reigning over Israel at that time, and they didn't get the notice. As a matter of fact, they were so committed to the fact that they were reigning over Israel, that they put their own king over Israel, a man by the name of Herod. And he wasn't all that happy when he found out there were people going around proclaiming 
that a new king had been born. It's interesting, if you don't study it out, you don't recognize Herod wasn't even a Jew. He was an Arab and an Edomite, which means his descendants were Esau and Ishmael. And he was the one that Rome said, this guy, he's going to be your king. I mean, if you don't know the history, those were the two people groups that were against Israel. Those were the two people who were outside of the promise and were upset about it. And yet this man, Herod, was their king. Love brought a disruption. Beyond that, have you ever thought about how much that decision to show God's love through Mary disrupted her? I mean, the angel comes along and says, Greetings, highly favored woman. And we talk about favor, right? We, we all want the favor of God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that you know, part of the evidence of God's peace is his favor on you. And part of the evidence of favor is his peace, that, that this is something that we, we want. We want God's favor. But sometimes that favor comes with a price. I mean, she was highly favored, but almost put away by the man she was expecting to love and marry her whole life. She was highly favored, but rejected by every single person in Bethlehem. She was highly favored, but she had to give birth in a barn. She was highly favored, but in the middle of the night, she was told she had to flee for her life and go to a foreign country among foreign gods just because an angel showed up to Joseph in a dream. I mean, it's, favor is not always what we think it is. I love what one evangelist said. He said, favor never looks like favor at first. Favor sometimes takes you through frustration, failure, and fear. You want to be favored by God. It may be in the darkest night or the deepest valley. But there in that place where no one sees you and you feel like no one understands, whisper to yourself, this is only the beginning, not the end. This will turn out for my good and His glory. This is because... I'm favored. That you would recognize these disruptions are not there to destroy you. Well, maybe they are. But maybe that thing that's being pulled off of you is so that his glory could be better revealed. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to understand why you're walking through what you're walking through right now. But this I know, God wants your favor to be evidenced to the whole world. And it's going to cause some disruption. It's going to cause some disruption in you. It's going to cause some disruption in the world around you. It's going to cause some disruption. I mean, it said of Mary, she was confused and disturbed when she received this word from the angel. 
But I love it that the Scripture tells us she didn't end there. As a matter of fact, her response is so powerful. In verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She was disturbed and confused, but she ended with submission. I was driving in this morning, driving past all the people who have their beautifully lit up houses and, and the different decorations all out in their yards, and some of them are a little obnoxious, and, and some of them are kind of nice and tastefully done. Uh, the one sign that I've seen, like I've seen it at Aldi and Walmart, and I've seen it in a few uh, people's yards. I saw it this morning as I was driving in. This big red sign that just says, Believe. That's, that's gorgeous. But believing isn't always enough. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my sign. Will any of you buy this? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that same big red panel, and instead of the word believe on it, I'm going to put the word submit. Well, can we start that this Christmas? That, that's going to be our new Christmas signs that we're going to put out. Submit. Doesn't that sound festive to you? <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but that's exactly what Mary did. She didn't just believe this to be true. She submitted, which meant she submitted to the disruption. She submitted to being uncomfortable. She submitted to the fact that she was going to be a part of a grand design that might mean she was going to have to go through some difficult seasons. But she believed and she submitted. And she allowed God to do amazing things through her. And what I want you to see is that when we choose that path, when we say, I'm going to submit to what God is doing, we're going to recognize that love bridges others into our lives. Her willingness to submit opened the door for more people to experience who God was. Had she said, no, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. I reject this prophecy over my life? Thank you very much, but I, I, I've, got, I've got my own plan. I'm already engaged. I already got somebody that I'm planning to spend a life with. She wouldn't have been a part of this narrative. We wouldn't be telling her story today. But she said yes. She submitted. And because of that, love came through her. And we have experienced the love of God because of her submission. We are a part of her story. If you've accepted Christ, you are a part of Mary's story because her love and God's love bridged through her life to you and I. The whole reason we're sitting in this room is because we were invited in. The whole reason why you're watching online is because we were invited in. We were invited to be a part of this. And that's why I'm so adamant that we go and we invite others. Listen, I would love it for you to take your little blue card and, and take it to somebody and say, hey, will, will you come with me to service? But even if you don't do this, find some way to allow the love of God to bridge your life with someone else's. Allow this to be a season where you say, I'm not going to let this be all about me. I'm not going to let this be all about my family. I'm going to find ways to share this love with more people. 
Because if you're in love with somebody, you're going to want to tell other people. You, you want to let people know that you're in love. You want to let people find out that this is something that's real in your life. So let's be looking for those opportunities. Mary saw that. Mary experienced that. Mary allowed God to do what he was going to do and then allow that to flow through her. We told briefly last week the story about when Mary went into Elizabeth and she spoke to her and the Holy Spirit fell upon Elizabeth and fell upon the baby that was in her womb. And that so impacted her that she burst into song. And that's just, that's powerful. I want to read just a small portion of that song that Mary sang because it expresses how she was recognizing this, this gift wasn't just for her. It was something that was going to be for all people. In Luke 1, 40, starting verse 46, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear me. Or all who fear him, sorry. Here, we see her recognizing this thing that was going to happen to her, it wasn't just for her. It was for generation after generation after generation. Like I said, we're, we're, we're talking about her this morning because that blessing was for us. That same love that flowed on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago is the same love that we get to experience today. I had a pastor that I had the privilege of serving with, and a lot of times on Christmas, he would mention the fact that without the cross, Christmas is just a pagan holiday. It's a reason to put some lights up and to, and to get around and eat food, but it was the cross that ultimately showed us. I mean, the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16 God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. But it all started with Mary. It all started in a manger. It all started with promises that God's love would flow through the people of Israel through a virgin and that her son would be God with us. Today, we recognize how powerful that story is. We recognize that that is why we're here. That's why in just a moment, we're going to have communion together. Because we want that love to be evident in our lives and we want that love to be shared with more people.
So, as we prepare in just a few days, you haven't got your Christmas shopping six more days. <laughs> but as we prepare for that, let's not just worry about the gifts we're getting, the gifts we're giving. Let's be convinced that the greatest gift is the love of God. And so let's be people who receive God's love and offer God's love to others. That we submit to the disruptions the love of God brings in our lives so that other people can experience it. This is what Christmas is. This is the promise that a son would be given that we could receive him and that we have been called to take this message of love to other people. So let's be dedicated to that this Christmas season. I'm going to go ahead and invite our worship team to come back up and we're going we're gonna to sing one more song. But as we prepare to sing again, I want you to begin to prepare your heart. We're going to take communion together. And Paul instructs us that we, we should be people who examine our hearts before communion. That we would see if there's anything that we need to get right. If, there, if there's anything that we need to allow God to work in us. Maybe there's some bitterness going into this season that you've got to lay on the altar right now and say, God, I don't want to carry this into Christmas. I want to go in looking for your goodness. And, and here at our church, I just want you to hear this. We believe in an open communion, which basically means you don't have to be a believer. Sorry, you don't have to be a member of our church to have communion with us. If you come in here and you are someone who you attend another church or, or you're, maybe you're watching online, you can, you can participate with us. The only thing we do ask is that you are a believer, that you are someone who has accepted Christ. And so if you're here in this room or if you're watching online and you haven't accepted Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive that love, to receive God's love that was given to us through Jesus. We're told all we have to do is believe that Christ came and confess him as our Lord. Submit to his rule in our lives and live for him. So I'm going to invite everyone just to kind of close your eyes, bow your heads, bow your hearts. And if that's you, if you're here in this room, or if you're joining us online, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you, receive the love of God right now. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you would, in, you would draw people. You would draw people so that they could experience that love from God. And if that's you, if you are with us and you recognize you need Jesus, 
I would invite you to pray a simple prayer. You don't have to use my words. You can use your own. You don't have to say this out loud. You can say this in the quietness of your heart. But I encourage you to pray something simple like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that God sent you. And I believe that you died for me. I also believe that God rose you from the dead. I am sorry for my old life. For my sins and mistakes. I'm turning away from that right now. And I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Strengthen me to follow Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life. From this day forward, you have all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, come, come let one of us know. We're going to have our prayer teams come up here as the music gets started. and You can have, you can have prayer for anything, but if you prayed that prayer, come let one of these people know, and they would love to help you make sure you get the resources. If you're watching online, reach out to us. Send us a Facebook message or do something to let us know that you've made that decision because we want to make sure you have everything you need to live a life of love in following after Jesus. But the rest of us, and any of us who've made that decision in the past, we're going to take a moment right now and we're going to remember the sacrifice of Christ. We're going to remember what he has done. And so we, we have these elements. And if you need one, please wave your hand. We'll make sure someone gets you one. And there's nothing special about the actual pieces in here. What's special is the remembrance. That we remember that the same Jesus that was born in a manger lived on this earth for 33 years, showed us what it was like to see the heart of God, and then died on a cross for our sins but that God rose him again three days later to show that he has victory over life and death and sin and the grave. And so right now, we're going to do what we have been taught to do. I'm passing on to you what was passed on to me. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then later during the meal, he lifted up the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, which is poured out for you.
And he let us know as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are remembering his death until he comes back again because we recognize it's not just about Christmas. We celebrate that God came to be with us, but we recognize he came to be with us to love us enough to die and to take our penalty. And so that's what we're remembering. That's what we're remembering today, and hopefully that's what we can help other people remember and recognize this Christmas season. So I'm going to pray over these elements, and then we're going to worship together by taking these. As a matter of fact, why don't we stand as I pray, and then we're going to invite the worship team to play, and we're going to invite our prayer team to gather around the different corners. And let's let God do something special in this moment as we worship him in this way. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. That you sacrifice the comfort of heaven to come and to be born and to experience the pains and the difficulties of our lives. And then you willingly laid down your life for us. Jesus, I pray that as we remember your broken body, as we remember your blood which was poured out, that even today we would have a fresh reminder of your love. Don't let us just go through motions right now. God, remind us of your love. Remind us of what we were before we had your love. Remind us of how precious it was that your son died for us. Let us not get so comfortable with our salvation that we think we deserve this. What great price was paid. That away in a manger, you sent your son. And onto a cross, he purchased our redemption, our lives, our freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. Bless the bread. Bless the cup. Let it bring newness in us today. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your spirit. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's partake of the bread together. And also the cup. Let's be dedicated to let this love be known. Amen? I love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Let's take some moment and worship.